Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I'd mentioned last week that we were going to take what we learned last week and begin applying it to how we see the world. And so what I want to do is I want to review a little bit from last week so that you can see these definitions. Then we're going to compare what the Bible, the Bible words to what the world is trying to get us to do. And then we're going to look at some things in the news to see how can we apply these principles to what's going on in the world. So let's start with the Scriptures. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Go to chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. And remember that image, incline your ear. Lean in to hear it. Incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. Lord, help us to have wisdom. Help us to understand that this is more than just, oh, a book, uh, a portion of a religious book, but that this is a requirement for living. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse, in chapter 2 and verse 4. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How many of you went to work this week? All right, did you work hard? Yeah, I can tell because this is what I'm looking at. <laughs> you tired. You worked hard. And you really did. And you did it to earn a living. Is that right? And many of us do it because God tells us to whatever we do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Uh, that our job is part of our worship to God. That we do a good job at our job because that represents the Lord. Amen. But notice what the passage says, that we are supposed to seek for wisdom and knowledge in the same way that we're seeking for that treasure. We're supposed to work as hard to understand as we are to earn a living. That's what we're supposed to do. And this passage, it gives us some terms that will help us to do that. Some, some words that when we understand what they mean, they'll help us to know the kind of people that we're supposed to be. Now, the Christian school kids had their homecoming. How many of you kids went to homecoming last night? Raise your hands. And I can tell because they are even more like this. So uh, you got to plug in for me right here because uh, this, is, this is really going to help you. All right, so let's dive in. The, the title this morning is Engage Wisdom in the World, but not the wisdom of the world. The world will tell you. Now, I understand that that's a, a reification. The world doesn't talk. But the, the Bible talks about all that is in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life is of the world. It's not of God. It's not of God. And so we need to understand that 
that the voices that come to you from the world, that wisdom isn't the wisdom that you need. We need the wisdom that comes from God. Amen? And so let's start defining some of these things. What is wisdom? Wisdom is skill for living. Skill for living. How many of you know someone who's just bad at life? Right? Skill for living. Now, can, can I tell you something? A government program has never helped someone gain skill for living. A handout doesn't help someone have skill for living. Now, there have been times when all of us needed help. And as Christians, are we against that? No, no, of course not. But if you make help a pattern of life, well, then that person never learns how to help themselves. Is that right? So what wisdom does is wisdom gives you skill for living. You learn to have the right kind of priorities. You learn to say yes to the right things and no to the right things. And it's, it's skill for living. Justice. What is justice? Now, we hear a lot about justice, right? And uh, what is the, the key word? Social justice. Social justice. And social justice is the idea that there is white privilege, okay? And that if you're a white person, you have been privileged. And if you're anything other than white, you haven't been privileged. And all of you white people need to pay. That's what it's about. Now, if you're a guest here, we're not racists. We love everybody. Um, if, if you go back through the sermons, I preach as hard against racism as I do against anything else in the world. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that he has made us all of one blood. Amen. Amen. In, in the church, in the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. It doesn't matter what race or nationality you are. We're one in Jesus Christ. Amen. Social justice is the opposite of that. Social justice is saying that the white people need to pay for all of the oppression that they've done to all of the other races throughout the history of the world. Um, it's just silly. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And here's the thing. The Bible says, talks about Jesus, that he should be the just and the justifier of all who believe. There's only one kind of justice. It's God's justice. There's not social justice and urban justice and whatever. There's not the Justice League. Okay? There's only... There's only God's justice. Amen? So what is justice? Justice is delivering appropriate responses. Justice is delivering appropriate responses. How many of you have ever seen a parent melt down on a kid in Walmart? You ever seen that? Now, I understand most of us have wanted to do that, and usually on someone else's kid, right? <laughs> so we've all seen that happen, but... Have you seen someone, and, and you can just, you're very uncomfortable because the way that that child is being treated is not right. Why don't you like it? Because the parent is not giving the error of the child an appropriate response. When the O.J. Simpson verdict was handed down, why was everybody mad? Because it wasn't an appropriate response to what had happened. And, and we see injustices all over the world in the courts. and in, in So anyway, so here you have. Justice is delivering appropriate responses. What is judgment? And remember, look, look at our text again. So I want you to, to be plugged into why we're discussing this. Look at Proverbs 1 and verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity to give subtlety to the simple, and the young man knowledge and discretion. So we're trying to define what the book of Proverbs is going to give us. Judgment. What is judgment? Judgment is anticipating of what is coming, or anticipation of what is coming. Now, does that, is that prophecy? 
No. All right? Young married couples, if you go and borrow money to have everything that it took your parents 20 years to get, you're going to be in trouble. How many of you agree with that? How many of you tried to do that? Yeah, yeah. Laura and I bought a couch. It took us so long to pay for this couch. It was unbelievable. You know, we, all of us, we, we, all of us, most of us have experienced a certain portion of that. So here's what happens. You get older, and then your kids get married. And, you know, we all hope for that. Pray for my kids. But, but anyway, we all hope that one day they can get married. And then what are you going to do? You're going to say, hey, don't go into debt. Be careful. It took us a lot of years. What are you doing? You're giving them judgment. All right? Now, how many of you get that judgment is a bad word in modern culture? Judgment is a good thing. We need to have judgment so that I know if I make this decision, this is what's going to happen. Judgment. Equity. What is equity? Equity is consistency. Operating on principle, not personality or likability alone. Equity. Equity. And do you know what this is about? This is what we started with when we said we're not racists. You don't judge people based on what they look like. You judge them based on their character. Is that right? No. Knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge. Biblical knowledge is knowledge that is trustworthy. Um, How many of you think that it would be a really good idea to use a science book from 20 years ago. Everything changes, right? Everything changes. Um, you doctors that went to medical school, they're teaching you different things now than some of the things that were taught years ago. Things change. Things change. Um, pharmacists. <laughs> Bob was just telling me, Bob Curlis was just telling me about all the regulations that have come in. Regulations change, don't they? Yes. What knowledge is, biblical knowledge is knowledge that is trustworthy. Young people, here's the cool thing. There are some things that you can know. There are some things that you can know for sure. And here's one of the problems with the culture. You can go to YouTube and find an opinion on anything. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But here's the problem. You listen to 50 of them. By the time you're done, well, that, that, that was good. And, well, that, that one was good. And this one was really funny. There are some really dumb people on YouTube. You ever see the stuff that people do? It is hilarious, man. How many of you like the ones where people are getting hurt? You guys are evil. Look at this. My wife will laugh at nothing harder than someone getting hurt. Right? Um, (laughs) So here's what happens. We have more access to information than at any time in history. How many of you use Google more than once a day? I've got this Google app, and you could look through my history. I'm constantly looking things up, constantly, over and over again. I'm looking things up. So we have access to information. But what is it that you can really know? And one of the problems with all the access to information is young people recognize how much they don't know. They really do. I think they have a better grasp of that now than we ever did. Right? Because there's no way you can know all the information that's out there, and you have more access to it than any time before. That's why there are some things that you, that you have to really know and recognize that there is truth, there is error, and there are some enduring truths that come from the Scriptures that will help you to navigate the minefield that is the world of information. 
And that's the world that you all are living in. All right? Information that may be known for sure. Information that may be relied upon. This isn't going to change. You know, how many of you have heard that coffee's bad for you? How many of you have heard that coffee's good for you? Yeah. How many of you know that you're not supposed to eat butter? Oh, yeah. Now we are supposed to eat butter. We were supposed to eat margarine. Now we found out that margarine is some kind of fat that you're not supposed to eat. Now, first of all, when you look at margarine, right, astronauts don't even know what it is. Just look at this. It's just this. Whatever it is, the, the, the country crock, you look in there, and, and science doesn't know what's in this thing. Right? And so now we find out, oh, actually, your body digests butter better than it would die. Science changes all the time. Remember your diet was supposed to be mostly carbs? Food pyramid? And we found out that it was upside down? It's crazy. So here's what's going to happen, young people. You're going to hear experts all your life. Experts and experts and experts. And what you're going to find out is the experts are wrong often. And so that's our, and you remember our, our logical fallacies? That's the faulty appeal to authority. It's a logical fallacy. You can find an expert to say anything. Right? So what do we need to do? We need to have uh, tools that help us with understanding and knowledge. All right? What is discretion? Discretion. This is the ability to assess a situation or person accurately and quickly and decide accordingly. Discretion. This is, the, this is one of the traits, young people, that your parents want you to learn the most. And employers have to have discretion. Because if you hire the wrong person, it can cost your company a lot of money. It can hurt your name. It can hurt your business. Is that right? Cause you all kinds of trouble. Young people, you marry the wrong person, oh my. You need some discretion. You need some discretion. Then, so this is not fooled or confused as to what to do. Then subtlety. What is subtlety? Subtlety is craftiness. We are supposed to have subtlety. We are supposed to have craftiness. Remember what the Bible says about the serpent. The serpent was more subtle than any of the creatures in the garden. Now, that's introduced as a bad kind of subtlety. Here, look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple. To give subtlety to the simple. What is subtlety? Subtlety is craftiness. It's the skill of having a strategy, a plan of attack, knowing what you are going to do, a plan for life. Now, here's a simple plan for life. Okay, young people, very simple plan for life. Are you ready? Here's your plan. I'm going to make sure that I keep the Lord at the center of everything that I do. I'm going to make sure that the person that I marry has given their heart to the Lord and believes the way that I do. How many of you understand that there are lots of people that call themselves Christians that do not believe like we believe? Right? And that's a problem that I see in Christianity. Kids start dating somebody and the parents say, well, he's a Christian. You understand that that basically means nothing today. Amen? Amen? So you've got to make sure. Here, here, here's your plan. Keep the Lord at the center of everything. Marry a Christian that believes the way that you believe. And then order your entire life around the Scriptures. If you start there, then if you become an engineer, you become a doctor, you become a, a, a laborer, whatever it is that you do, if you're keeping God at the center of it, you're going to have a great, great life, and you're going to be so far ahead of everybody else. Amen? And I hope some of you become preachers. Amen. Except the girls. Um, <laughs> hey, but preachers need wives. <laughs> Amen? What a great life. Just ask my wife. 
Just make sure it's the right day. All right. Three types, there are three types of people in the Bible. There are three types of people in the Bible. I got to tell you, being a pastor's wife is a pretty good deal, except for when foolishness happens. You know, I had somebody come to me one time, really upset. This guy came to me really, uh, the, we were having a ladies' meeting and the theme was teapots, and this guy came to me really ticked. Pastor, there's something you need to know. Okay. They're having a, they're having a ladies' meeting and they're not going to use my wife's teapots. Oh, no. I had just had a couple of funerals that week and a lot of stuff, and I explained that to him, and I said, I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, that's the stuff that in the ministry you just don't like. Praise God that doesn't happen very much. Amen? That doesn't happen. Okay. There's three types of people that are given in the Bible that we need to be familiar with. First of all, the simple, the simple and these are not yet instructed, but can be if they're willing to learn. Simple. Now, this is not a matter of age. This is a matter of instruction. How many of you have met a lot of Christians that really don't understand anything about the Bible? Right? They're simple. It's interesting. The Bible tells us to be simple about evil. We're not supposed to immerse ourselves in the evil of the world. We're supposed to be simple. We're not supposed to know about all that stuff. The Bible says. Now, that's just the opposite of the way that the world wants. I want my kids to know about all that stuff so that they can be ready. That's the opposite of Scripture. That's the opposite of Scripture. Because what we need to understand is introduction to some of those things create appetites for it. Amen? And so, simple. We need to understand the word simple. Not yet instructed, but can be if willing to learn. Then the fool... Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So a fool rejects the instruction he has heard. A fool is one that you cannot tell anything. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you know that they don't know what you're talking about? And they say, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. What is that person? They're a fool. They're a fool. They can't be taught anything. I've found the most brilliant people are people that they have an insatiable appetite for truth, an insatiable appetite for knowledge, always wanting to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn more. Amen? So a fool rejects the instruction he has heard. And then wise embraces and follows instruction. A wise man embraces and follows instruction. Why? They have skill for learning. They're for living. Because they've been, they, they've been able to embrace and follow instruction, they have skill for living. So those are our definitions. All right? Those are our definitions. Now, we're going to go back. Go back to the beginning for me, Pastor Nathan. <clears throat> now, what I want to do just in the next couple of minutes is I want to take the biblical word and I want to contrast it with the word that you will know. Okay? So... For wisdom, wisdom, skill for living, wisdom. And I've already addressed this in my, in my, my previous comments, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. The world has worldly wisdom, street smarts, right? Do we want to take our wisdom from the streets or from the Scriptures? From the Scriptures. But that's not what the world wants us to do. The cool people know what's happening in the world. We're not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to have worldly 
uh, we're supposed to have wisdom that is not the world's wisdom. The wisdom that we want is the wisdom that cometh down from above. That's what the Bible wants us to do. Then, justice. Justice. The, the word that the world uses is fairness. Do you know that's impossible to make the world fair? There are kids in this room that have better opportunities than other kids in this room. How are we going to change that? You can't change it. What's the thing that they need to learn? Proper response to whatever it is that they go through. Amen? We grew up poor. I mean, we, were so, we couldn't even afford to pay attention. I mean, that's my, that's my focus problems, right? We were poor. We didn't have anything. There are other kids that I knew. We, uh, I went to school in West Hartford, Connecticut. At that time, it was like the second or third richest city in America. That's where I went to school. And so my friends are saying, hey, you want to go skiing with us this weekend? And they're going and spending, you know, 50 or $60 on a lift ticket. My dad made 100 bucks a week. That was a bummer. That was a bummer. I didn't have the opportunities that some of those other kids had. That's not fair. Well, fair, good, yeah. That's a good lesson to learn, isn't it? Life is not fair. The world's not fair. I think it was Margaret Thatcher that said, the facts of life are conservative. Isn't that good? The facts of life are conservative. And so we don't need to teach our children fairness. We need to teach them justice. How am I supposed to respond to this situation? That is justice. Because if you try to make everything fair, it's not ever going to happen. Teachers, try to make a, 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 a test fair for everyone in the class. You know, how many of you in college were graded on a curve? Ever graded on a curve? And then you have this one genius in the class. Right? You have 100 questions. Everybody gets like 60 of them right, except for this one person who got 98. Right? And so what we do, justice says kill them. <laughs> no. How, how are you going to make that fair? And the idea of the bell curve is to make it fair. Well, they just broke the curve. Do you know what we learn? Well, people are better than you. There are some people that are better at that test than you are, and trying to make it fair will just make us all dumber. Amen? So we need justice, not fairness. And the next one, judgment, anticipation of what is coming, anticipation of what is coming. What does the world want us to have? Trust the authorities. This is one of them that we may get to, we may not. I don't know if I'm going to have time to do it. Global warming. How many of you heard the president say that 2014 was the warmest year on record? Oh, no! We're going to die. It was 0.02 degrees Celsius warmer than 2013. Okay, there's a couple of things that we need to think about. Ah, judgment, what's coming? 0.02 degrees Celsius is negligible. Do you know what it means? It means nothing. That's what it means. Do you know what it's used for? Raise taxes. That's all that it's about. You know what carbon tax is? It's a way to get money 
from producers and give it to non-producers. That's what carbon tax is because you're not producing carbon emissions if you're not doing anything. Do you know what that's called? Justice. That's justice. It's unjust to take from the producers to give to the non-producers. That's not just. It is not just. All right? Judgment, anticipation of what is coming. That idea of trusting the authorities. Do you see people trying to find studies that tell you that you don't need two parents in a home? Well, how many of you know that those studies are foolish? What are they doing? They're establishing an outcome and then looking for results to support it when the whole world knows that it's better to have two parents. Amen? Now, how many of you know people that don't have two parents in the home? God can help those folks, and the church needs to come around those people and help them. Amen? But young people, it's best to have a mother and a father who are married, raising children. That's the best. That's the best. I'll tell you this. A a judge in England was just fired for saying that. Not allowed to sit on adoption cases anymore because he said it's better for two parents to be in the home. What's going on? They're trying to rob us of judgment and teach us to trust the experts. Then equity, equity. The world wants us to use equality, equality. Now, worth before God, we're all the same. Amen? Value to society, some people are more productive than others. Now, look, I I watch people when I say things like, oh, uh, do you know what we're supposed to do? We are supposed to raise children that are productive in society. Or do you want to raise children that are a burden on society? There was a study, a famous study that was done, and it was the descendants of Jonathan Edwards, the, the Presbyterian preacher, the descendants of Jonathan Edwards, and the descendants of this guy named Jukes. I've got a whole book on it in my office. And Jonathan Edwards' descendants were judges and lawyers and doctors and college presidents and vice presidents and and all of this. And the Jukes family, they were all in prison and and this whole whole line of a burden on society. Are they equal? No. Okay, everybody do this. No, 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 no. One is bad. The other's good. No, I can't believe he said that out loud in church. They all need to be saved. They all have a purpose that that every one of them, God has a purpose for every one of them. Can I ask you a question? Am I as good a preacher as Charles Spurgeon? Give me a break. Charles Spurgeon could read four entire books in one sitting and quote chapters from memory. I can't do that. He's better. Well, he's dead, but he was... Better. Do y'all follow what I'm saying? So this idea of equity, not equality. We treat everyone the same. You treat people the way that you want to be treated. Is that what the Bible teaches us? We love our neighbor as ourselves. But I'm just telling you, Charles Spurgeon is a better preacher than Joel Osteen. Even though he's dead. They're not the same. Do you follow what I'm saying? What are we doing? We're we're applying the wisdom of Scripture to the world that we live in. So equity, they want us to have trust. Then knowledge. 
knowledge. Um, We have knowledge in the truth. They want to control the knowledge based on their agenda. There are facts, young people, there are facts that you are not allowed to get. Why? Because God is there. That's what naturalism is. Naturalism is explaining the world, excluding God in the explanation. Right? That's not knowledge. That's not knowledge. All right? Then, discretion. Discretion. The Bible wants us to have discretion. The world wants us to have tolerance. All right? So here you have, let's use Lady Gaga as an example. All right? So young men, you're supposed to have discretion. Amen? Supposed to have discretion. You have a godly lady over here. Maybe your mom. The godly lady over here. Person to be admired. Lady Gaga, a person to be rejected. Now, do I want her to die? No, I want her to get saved. But until she gets saved, she's evil. And she wants to destroy your thinking. She wants to destroy you. She hates social norms. So that, that's, that's her whole gig. Read Ralph Waldo Emerson. He started it. Well, Satan started it, but Emerson made it popular. Okay? A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. That's, okay? that's the thinking behind Lady Gaga. Discretion is, that's wrong. Tolerance is, that's just as good as that. How many of you would love to have Lady Gaga for your mother? How many of you that's freaking you out a little bit right now? Right? One is good, the godly lady. Lady Gaga's bad. That's the difference between discretion and toleration. Well, I just think you should tolerate my lifestyle. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I want you to get saved, but your lifestyle is going to destroy you. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. What is that? That's discretion. Toleration says you're not allowed to have that opinion. Okay? Remember the way that ideas work, the way that philosophies work. First, they demand to be heard. Then they demand to be equal. And then they demand to be exclusive. Right? So, homosexuality, we have our rights. All we want is equality. If you don't like us, we're going to close your business. Is that where we are? So we don't need equality, we need equity. Equity, that's different. Then, I'm sorry, we don't need tolerance, we need discretion. We need discretion. Um, all right, now, let's just take the last couple of minutes, and I want to, what I want to do is I want us to use this wisdom in the world. Now, how many of you have seen in the news the, the Charlie Hebdo uh, killings in, in Paris. How many of you saw and heard about that? I just want to make some comments about that. Liberty means they have to, the right to print whatever they want to print. Y'all agree with that? Now, we have to be careful because there are Christians who want to make laws against what people can print. You can't do it. You can't do it. What we do is we preach against it. Liberty allows them to print it. Liberty also allows me to say that it's evil based on the Scriptures. We have to have liberty in order to be able to persuade people. Amen? So, first of all, 
Liberty means they have the right to print whatever they want to print. There are some exceptions. Libel. Libel is a law, uh, it's a law uh, that, that a published false statement that is damaging to a person's reputation. All right? When it's written, it's defamation. When it's spoken, it's slam, slander. Right? That's how the law works. So there are restrictions on what you can write. But beyond a, a false statement designed to hurt someone, um, the, you can write whatever you want to write. All right? Then, so number one, liberty means they have the right to print whatever they want to print. You all agree with that? All right. Number two, Islamic killers are wrong. You all agree with that? It's wrong for anybody to go in there and kill them because of what they write. Right? It's wrong for somebody to go and blow up an abortion clinic. Right? We should try them and then have them put to death. Because they're killing babies. But we're not going to go and kill anybody. Amen? So Islamic killers are wrong. And then multiculturalism will kill us. What is multiculturalism? It's the idea that all ideas are equal. That's what multiculturalism is. That's what's happened in France. So these Muslims who are coming in, they have the right to their culture as much as France has the right to their culture. And so they've allowed these no-go zones where police aren't even allowed to go in there and the laws of France don't apply in there in their own country. That Sharia law is what governs that area. That's multiculturalism and it's going to kill France. Right? How many of you think that, that the idea of democracy is better than Sharia law? Right? Now, they don't have a republic like we do. They have a democracy, which is why I think they've had 37 governments since the French Revolution. That number might be off, but it's not far off. That, that's why. Because it's democracy. Democracy is a mess. It will never work. A republic is the government that we have. Now, right, kids? You all know that? You all know that? Okay. Now, here's the thing that's really important for us to get. This multiculturalism, it is against the law in, I think it's Sweden or Denmark, to speak against Islam. Kurt Wilders is on trial right now for speaking against Islam, writing an article against Islam. Hate speech laws are based in multiculturalism. Remember what we said. If there's liberty, that means they have the right to print whatever they want to print. Hate speech laws violate liberty. Hate speech laws, they require you to allow things that are repugnant to you to be printed. Can I say this? You do not have the right not to be offended. Double negative, I understand. You do not have the right to not be offended. You have the right not to read it. You have the right to condemn it. But you don't have the right to not be offended. You know, there are schools all over the country that are making things against the rules because someone might be offended. You, know, you can't wear a, a on, on Mayo to Cinco de Mayo, you can't wear an American flag because someone might be offended. That's what multiculturalism does. That's what multiculturalism does. All right? So, number one, liberty means they have the right to print whatever they want. Islamic killers are wrong. Multiculturalism will kill us. What is the, the First Amendment? Congress shall make no law establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Is that what it says? And then a free press shall not be... How does it say it? I uh, can't remember exactly. I should have printed it out. 
All right, so the First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of the press. All right, not tolerance of religion, tolerance of the press. Freedom. We, we, can, we can believe whatever we want or not believe whatever we want. And government can't say anything about it. And we have the, the liberty to exercise that freedom. So you kids, you can talk. In any time where there's a time where there's freedom at school, you can talk about God. You can read your Bible. You can tell other kids about Christ. You can give them tracts. You can invite them to church. You can do any of that stuff that you want to do. Now, if you're doing it while the teacher is teaching, you're going to be in big trouble. You're not allowed to do that. But you are allowed based on... You do not lose your First Amendment rights when you walk into the schoolhouse. Amen? You teachers, you don't lose your First Amendment rights. Student asks you a question, you can answer the question. You're free to answer that question. You do not lose your First Amendment rights. What is the only thing that keeps our First Amendment rights? The Second Amendment. See, Second Amendment was not so that we could hunt. It's so that we could stop a tyrannical government. There's 80 million gun owners in the United States. That's the thing that stops government from, from stopping us. See, here's what they do. The first thing they do is registration. They register the guns. First step is registration, then confiscation, then extermination. 270 million people in Europe could tell you that. What happened in Charlie Hebdo? There was nobody with a gun to stop them. Where do these people always go? Gun-free zones. Gun-free zones. So the Second Amendment, it's vital. It is important. I don't want anyone to die from a gun. But if you're coming into my house, I'd rather you die than me die or my family. Is that right? That's what stops it. And our press and the United Nations do not agree with that. They believe in the innate goodness of mankind. The Bible says that we're all sinners. The Second Amendment recognizes that. You see, Thomas Jefferson didn't expect the government to last for more than 20 years. That's why the Second Amendment was there. It's really important for us to understand this. Okay, so number one, liberty means that they have the right to print whatever they want to print. Islamic killers are wrong. Number three, multiculturalism will kill us. That's why we need the Second Amendment. And number four, have you seen all the signs that people were carrying? Je suis Charlie, that is, I am Charlie. I am not Charlie. They were wicked, horrible people. They didn't deserve to die for what they were doing, but they, hate, they are anti-religion uh, leftist secular, secularists. Their religion is religion hurts people. And so the enti their entire reason for existence was insulting religion, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. That, that's what they existed for. I am not Charlie. They have the right to print it, and I have the right to disagree with it. And just because they got shot, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with them being shot. I'm not bigoted. I'm not uh, intolerant. None of those things. I disagree with what they were saying. I am not that. I do agree with their right to print. Then, I want us to see when we have wisdom and discretion... Then we understand what was really happening in Paris. When they had the big march, 3.7 million people marched, and all these world leaders went in there to talk about freedom of the press. They had a representative from Saudi Arabia there in the march. The guy is getting a 1,000 lashes right now for speaking against Islam. And they're marching, Je suis Charlie. And I know I'm saying it terribly. But then Jordan, one of the leaders from Jordan was there. There's a guy who just got in prison a year. For, uh, he went to prison for a year, just this like three weeks ago. 
for speaking against the king. Freedom of the press? Really? Then um, Algeria. Algeria was there. Um, in Algeria, it's against the law to march or make public protests. Uh, Russia. Russia. Sergei Lavrov was there. And, you know, th- there's, there's dozens of journalists in Siberia right now for speaking against uh, Putin. In Turkey... In Turkey, 70 journalists right now are being uh, prosecuted for referring to corruption charges in the press. Then Egypt was represented there. And, of course, we know what's going on in Egypt. Um, Then Hungary. That's enough. Um, It's unbelievable. So what we need to learn is that freedom of the press does not exist in these places. Why are they marching? because they want to be considered to be a part of Western ideas. And in Europe, with hate speech laws and all of those things, they do not have freedom of the press. We have to have freedom of the press in the United States. Why? To publish God's Word. To have the right and the ability to publish God's Word. It's important that we get that. Um, Man, there are so many other things that we could talk about. I think that I've used up my time this morning. It's really important that we get this. The Bible gives us wisdom. The Bible teaches us about equity, about justice, about judgment, about uh, subtlety, all of these things that we need to have. The world is going in a completely different direction than we are. They are. And so if we're going to learn how to function in the world, if we are going to have skill for living, then we need to make sure that we have... Let me run through it again. Let's make sure that we have... Wisdom, not the world's wisdom, that we have justice, not fairness, judgment, not trust, equity, not equality, discretion, and not tolerance. Very important that we get that. We have liberty, not tolerance. Last thing that I'm going to say, okay, everybody look up out here, here with me. I want to finish with this. People say that the United States is the last bastion of freedom of speech in the world. Have you heard when someone say that? And that's true, but what's more true is we were the first bastion of freedom of speech. Young people, you need to understand, there was not freedom of speech in in Europe until the United States happened. Very important that it started here. Multiculturalism is a lie. It started here. So that's very important that we have that, that we have freedom of speech. Secondly, it's very important, it's very important that we understand that the Republicans are not going to fix this. Uh, I've got an entire article here that my friend Lawrence Vance wrote for LewRockwell.com. And it's all about what's happened every time that we've had Republicans in the White House and in the, the Senate and the Congress. You know, the last time they doubled the debt. You know, abortion is still legal. The Republicans are not going to fix this. What has to happen is Christians have to live as Christians out in the world and tell the truth. Amen. And the most important truth that you can tell anyone is that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. What is the wisest thing that you can do? Share your faith. Tell people about Jesus Christ, that He is the only hope for the world. Someone wrote a book, I think it was Lutzer, or Erwin Lutzer, Why the Cross Can Do What Politics Can't. Amen? Now look, you all know, I think you ought to vote and be involved in it, but do not think the Republicans are going to solve your problems. 
The Bible gives us wisdom. The Bible tells us what to do. Amen? We have that wisdom. And it is skill for living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word.